Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. I hope you all are doing well. Uh, Changing things up a little bit this week. I'm sitting here on the couch next week. I'll be in my pajamas, have a pipe, and my dog next to me. No, hopefully that will not happen. Um, But I wanted to share with you guys a few things as we get started, some announcements. Um, I forgot last week to remind or mention everyone about how to give. And so you can tithe online at thegenesisstory.com or on our bank app, Zella, or you can still mail the checks in at 1043 West Foothill Boulevard here in Upland, 91786. Uh, Those are all areas where you can still give. Again, I know many of you are going through financial difficulties, uh, but this is something that I did want to bring up for those who are able to continue in their offerings. This is a way that you can do that, again, online. Uh, through the bank app or to mail the checks in. Also, we have the various uh, Zoom meetings taking place. We still have Tuesday afternoon, those who are at home with their kids, kind of meeting and encouraging each other. It's been great. We've had a few people who we haven't talked to in a while join in on some of the meetings, and so that's been encouraging. Uh, That's with my wife, uh, Tuesdays at 2 o'clock. And then Tuesday evenings at 7 o'clock, we have time for prayer. Uh, Beth's leading that. And again, all these addresses and finding the meetings, you can go to our website, thegenesisstory.com, and go to the virtual church uh, tab, and you can find all the links to take you there. Try to keep those things posted on Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, Sometimes I lack on that, but you can find those on our website. Also, uh, Thursday mornings at 9 a.m., Brian, I believe, will be having another uh, creative writing class. He took last Thursday off because he was uh, doing some recording, uh, but he will be back this Thursday, I believe, at 9 o'clock. And then Friday evenings at 7 p.m., we're going to be talking again with Dr. Quinlan. Uh, Last Friday was really good, I thought. The meeting went really well. A lot of real helpful things, real practical things for people who are struggling through this time, especially with restlessness, anxiety, ways to kind of uh, enter into this in a helpful posture and not allow these things to overwhelm us, some of the emotions that take place. Anyway, had a lot of good feedback from that, and we will be meeting again this Friday at 7 p.m. on Zoom. If you have any questions that you would like to present in that meeting with Dr. Quinlan, 
Uh, you can send us an email at the Genesis info at the Genesis story.com. We will get it. Or you can message me on Facebook, Instagram, and most of you, I think, have my cell number. Uh, just get a hold of me and send me your questions in. And again, we'll put an opportunity to ask questions later in the week. But that's one of the things that we did is we kind of addressed a lot of the questions that you had with the doctor, which is, I think, why it proved to be so useful to so many people. And then Saturday mornings with Ben, uh, it's happening at 9 a.m., and it is not just for men, even though it says Ben for men. Um, it is not. It is for everybody. I'll change that uh, later on. But it is a meeting where, again, Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock, you want to connect. You can connect together. All these areas in Zoom uh, where we can meet virtually uh, at this time. Um, also, I wanted to give a big shout-out and congratulations to Rachel and Daniel their son uh, was born, his name is Shepard, at 3.09 this morning. He is 8 pounds, 12 ounces. Many of you saw that on Instagram. Congratulations. Uh, you guys are amazing. Rachel, you've been amazing. I tell you, every day I'm like thinking, is she really that pregnant? She's like outside painting with the kids and stuff. It's been uh, incredible to just see that transition and Shepard is here now, so send your congratulations to Rachel and Daniel uh, for just the blessings that they have now with their new son. Okay, this morning I want to talk to you about what you desire. Desire is something that drives us. I found that the things that we desire, what we want, usually steer our actions and then in turn steer our future. They become our future. And, and there is a societal evolution that I believe is taking place right now, forcing us to reevaluate many things, like um, what sources of information are we going to trust? I, I'm hearing so many diverse messages um, from news people, um, from you know, things on social media. I am still getting inundated with people giving me helpful hints of how to get past the coronavirus from drinking tea to hair dryers um, to all kinds of things. And so there's just a variety of things that we're having to decide, what am I going to trust? And, and then we're also having to see what's essential, right? Essential workers, I don't know what all is essential, but I know it's essential apparently to go to Home Depot because I was there yesterday and everyone was there. And so it must be essential to be there. And, and what is connection going to look like even after all this has taken place, when this is all over and when will this be all over? You know, I'm hearing in Florida, they opened up the beaches now and now I'm hearing there's people protesting that their businesses are still closed. So there's some unrest and unnerving that's taking place and all these things that are pushing at us. What is it that we desire? What do we want right here, right now? Do we just desire for things to get back to normal, to get back to how they were? What if things never do? What if things will never be like they were? What if it will never get back to the normal that we had before? How will we adjust to that? How will we develop in that? And is that really 
what we want is to go backwards to how things were. There's a quote by Jack Welsh. It says, change before you have to. And I like that because things are changing. And are we going to change in this time or are we going to be forced to change? Are we going to make changes in our lives that are going to be beneficial for our future? Or are we going to be forced into those changes and we find it to be a lot more difficult? right? If you're exercising and healthy and you need to then quickly move something or help somebody out who's moving, you're ready. But if you aren't working out and you all of a sudden have to do something strenuous, you find out, I wish I would have been ready for this. And I wonder if that's not happening to us in some ways through all the things that are taking place with what's going on. Uh, Jesus' words to the church of Sardis in Revelation 3 come to mind where he says, wake up and strengthen all that remains before it dies. For I haven't found your works to be perfect in the sight of my God. Wake up, be strengthened with the things that are important. Hebrews 12 tells us something similar. It says, this phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that things that cannot be shaken may remain. This means a thorough house cleaning, right? Getting rid of all the, the junk that is in our lives so that the unshakable essentials can stand clear and uncluttered. And I wonder if that includes religious cluttering. I wonder if there is shaking going on and, and the way we saw church and the way we saw God and the way we saw spirituality or the way we looked at our relationship with God has been shaken and we are forced to deal with things in a different way and forced to see where our faith is when it's being tested, when it's being put to a, a place and strained in ways that it hasn't before. How are we navigating these waters and how are we adjusting to them? What are we going to do when we can't get together and meet and go to church? If going to church was one of your staples of what it meant to be close to God, what do you do now? How do you find that closeness? And having to deal with these things are important. Finding what is stable through this time. And, and, and I want to look at how to change and get rid of some of the junk that we really don't need. How to maybe see what the things that we desire are telling us and maybe see if we need to change how we're living and the things that we desire. I want to start in John chapter 1 and verses 35 to 39. It says, The next day again, John, this is John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. It's 
about four o'clock in the afternoon. I always find Jesus' questions interesting, right? They seem to cut through the veneer and get to the core of what's happening. I, I mean, these guys are following Jesus, right? All of a sudden, John's disciples start stalking Jesus and start tracking with him. And he looks back and he doesn't say, hey, what do you want? What do you follow me? He asks them instead, what are you seeking? He, he gets to the heart of the matter. What is it that you want? What is it that you're desiring? He He's pushing them into the depth of what they're really after. In Mark chapter 10, there's a blind man who has heard that Jesus is coming and he's heard all the, the commotion about Jesus, how he's doing healing and miraculous things. And so he starts shouting, you know, to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, shouting, shouting. And people are rebuking him saying, quiet, right? Jesus is going by. He's a very important person. He doesn't need to be bothered right now. Something is going on. You just need to back off. You're not an important part of this, but he yells out all the louder. And then Jesus calls the blind man to him. And so they tell him, hey, be encouraged. He's calling you. And then Jesus looks at the blind man and he says to him, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, Rabbi, I want to see. And those words are striking. Of course, he being blind physically wants to see, but even like the disciples following Jesus, what are you seeking? What do you want? What do you want to see? What do you want to know? What do you desire? Where is your life heading? And what do you want from Jesus in your pursuit of what God is looking for to do? Those words have deep meaning to me, words that stir me, they challenge me, they question the way I see, the way I believe, the way I live, to to wake up and see what's shaking, right? To strengthen what's important, the things that will remain. And it's funny how when you have time to relax and be still, we often fill it with being busy, right? I mean, the word vacation, right? It means to have an extended period of leisure and recreation, And then you have family vacations, which are an oxymoron, right? There is no leisure in a family vacation. I can remember going on a vacation with my kids when they were small, and we had four little ones in a tent. You know, there is nothing leisure about that. It was just torturous, right? I mean, especially after the third day, it's like, oh, God, you know, please, I need a vacation from my vacation. These kinds of things, that's an experience that will make you rethink birth control. I mean, it's one of those things that just forces you into a place where this is not relaxing, but we keep busy. We're always doing things like that. Why is it so difficult to slow down? I, like many of you, have a lot more time. My lessons have virtually gone, right? I have a dog that I'm bored in training, which is at my house, and I have one client that I I go to and work with their dogs and not really with the people, but otherwise they're basically gone. And, And so what do you do? You would think with all this extra time that you have, you can now, you know, start really sorting through and and finding the things that are important. But this week, I've painted two rooms, I fixed the kitchen sink, 
and a dishwasher. It's like, there's my time. I'm always doing these kinds of busy things. Busyness shows up in different ways. It's not just working. Maybe it's watching TV. Maybe it's puzzling. Maybe it's exercising or my choice, eating. Um, There's a restlessness that is working its way out of us, a shaking, if you will, forcing things to adjust, hiding the question that often we don't even know we're asking, but it's, what are you seeking? What are you wanting to make you feel whole, to make you feel comfortable? What are you after? Pascal, the French mathematician, physicist, and religious philosopher, once said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Let that sink in. Humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Let's ask ourselves the question, especially now with more time, how often do I spend time sitting quietly and alone? No TV, no music, no podcasts, no reading, just sitting alone. It's foreign to us. It's unusual. In fact, I would say it's awkward. If you've ever been in a group prayer meeting and, and people are all around, if everyone's praying, it's fine. But when there's silence, it, it becomes awkward. Whenever I would be leading a prayer meeting and there would be a time of silence, I would think, how long do I wait before I do something? Because we have a hard time letting that sink in. Luke 5 tells us that as often as possible, Jesus withdrew out of the way to out-of-the-way places for prayer. Jesus, as often as possible, withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer. Why? What was he doing? How did that play into his ministry and the things that he did and the things that he shared? Why would a person who had so much to offer the world take as often as possible times to be away? Perhaps Pascal understood something important even that was seen in Jesus's actions, that withdrawing, getting away. I mean, prayer by definition is a solemn request for help, expression of thanks addressed to God or an object of worship. But there are so many facets to prayer. And I want to give a little bit more thought into these things because I think it it ties into the things that we desire. And I want to look at four stages to prayer. My hope is to see how our desires and our change of what we need and the change of what needs to take place can strengthen the things that are important. How can we pray and change and become more solid in who we are? Now, each stage that I'm going to mention has its place. It's not like 
one is more important than the other, but there are different aspects to each one of them. The first one I want to mention is talking at God. Remember when you were a kid and your mom would take you to Aunt Teresa's house. Maybe it wasn't Aunt Teresa, you fill in the blank. And you would go there and mom would force you to be polite. Say hi to Aunt Teresa. Hi, Aunt Teresa. And you'd just be kind of looking at the floor, kicking the table. Tell Aunt Teresa how old you are. I'm four years old. Can I go play now, right? You're kind of talking at Aunt Teresa. You're not really talking with her. You're, You're having this kind of attitude in that. And it has to do a lot with your maturity level to actually engage. And this is usually where we start, right? Even in child's prayer, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. You know, what a strange prayer that is to throw at kids. You know what? My soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, is there something you're not telling me? I mean, it's just kind of a a strange prayer thinking about it. Um, But anyway, usually it's a ready-made prayer, or even prayers like the Our Father, if you're Catholic, Hail Mary. These are ready-made prayers, prayers that we we recite. Now, there's a place for these prayers. There's there's times when we don't know how to pray. Um, there's just a, a time where we need words to maybe help us in these conversations and what we're doing. Um, but think of a conversation even with a person where you're talking but not in a direct way, more in an indirect way. You know, um, if I'm talking to Gil, say, hey, Gil, how's it going? Right? And Gil says, fine. Okay. How are you? Good. You know, but I'm done with this quarantine. You know, I mean, it's just kind of, it's surface talk. The conversation isn't really finding out anything. It really isn't investigating how Gil's doing. It's polite, acknowledging that someone is there and that you're taking notice of them. It's, I I don't want to say superficial because it's still an addressing of someone. It's better than ignoring them, right? But it isn't really finding out a lot about them. In the same way, ready-made prayers like the Our Father and such are, are ways of letting God know that Really, I'm I'm not able to engage too much right now. It might be I'm tired. It might be I'm angry. It might be I'm confused. Uh, it might be I'm scared, or maybe I just don't know how. But I do care about our relationship, and I want to acknowledge it. And, and so, God, I don't know what to do, and so I might just recite the Our Father because I want to acknowledge you there. I want to engage with you in some level, and so this is how I can. And it's valid. There are times when I don't know what to say, don't know how to pray. And so maybe reciting a prayer helps me to make that that kind of connection. And then there's talking to God, right? Back to Aunt Teresa's house. I'm a little older now. 
And I start to realize that, you know, I'm kind of a big deal because people are paying attention to me. And so all of a sudden I proceed to tell Aunt Teresa about the toy I got and how it's a monster truck and how it's also a shark and how it can go in the water and how it can go on the land and sometimes it can fly. And I start telling her all about my adventures with the monster truck. I have grandchildren, can you tell? And all of a sudden the conversation is me talking to Aunt Teresa and she hardly gets a word in edgewise because I've got so much that I'm saying. I have so much of myself that I want to put out there that I simply speak to her. And and as we grow in our relationship with God, we feel more comfortable using our own words, right? We feel more comfortable expressing ourselves rather than just maybe the ready-made prayers that we once had. And I simply speak to God from my heart, straightforward, telling him all about whatever is going on with me right now. I can still pray and, and enriched by my ready-made prayers, but I now can go beyond formal words written by someone else, and, and I want it to be more personal with God. And now the prayer becomes deeper as I'm able to really have a more personal relationship with God and able to share the good and the bad of what's going on. The question is, how much do I share? How much do I divulge? Imagine again, I'm having a conversation with Gil and I say, hey, Gil, how's it going? And he says, it's been pretty rough. You got a couple minutes? Now Gil's put himself out there, right? Now he's vulnerable. Now he's putting himself out to my response. Am I going to be polite but distant or am I going to be engaging? Am I going to say, ah, I really don't have any time right now, but maybe we'll get together later, have coffee or something? And, or will I say, oh, man, what's going on? Yeah, let's sit down. Let's talk. You see, now he's put himself into a place where there is interaction going on. And I, I wonder sometimes in prayer, how much do we really put ourselves out there? Do we just tell God all the things that are going on but not expect any kind of response? Or do we really even get to the heart of what's going on? Do we really tell God how we're feeling? I'm really anxious right now. I'm really scared right now. I'm really worried about our finances. I'm I'm really worried if this is going to work out or not. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried if I've contracted the coronavirus. I mean, there's so many things. I've had probably about three conversations with people that have had this kind of fear in the past week, concerns about their physical, financial, and spiritual health. And sometimes I feel like we can talk, but we don't get to the core of what's really going on. And that brings us to the third part where we're actually listening to God. We, we ask those things, but now we come back to a place of listening. Imagine now I'm older and I go visit Aunt Teresa and I start talking to her and I realize, you know, Aunt Teresa's got some stories to tell. You know, she she's worked in a factory when, you know, there was a war 
And she was the first woman to be a manager over this department in her factory at this time. And how she was actually responsible for making some changes in the way they did things at the factory. And Aunt Teresa tells me that on the day that her husband died of cancer is the same day that I was born. And that's why I'm special to her. Right. All of a sudden, Aunt Teresa has a lot more depth than what I thought as a child because I've matured. I've grown. And now I'm hearing her talk back to me. The mark of a mature person is the ability to really listen. Right. This is true also of my relationship with God. A mark of maturity is am I able to hear or do I just talk? And this is where that being still, that being quiet comes into play. This is where I believe when Jesus would often, as often as possible, find a place to go away and to pray comes into place. God's always willing to listen, but he also has something to say. He's also wanting to speak. And I can vividly remember times when I felt that God spoke to me. And that's interesting, right? I didn't hear God speak. I'd probably be concerned and freaked out if I did. And you might even be concerned if you thought I did. But I felt God speak to me. A time where I was very troubled. I was very anxious. I was very worried and very discouraged in my faith. And I felt God tell me, I love you. And it was powerful. It shook me. I remember breaking down and crying and just being overwhelmed with this response. I wasn't expecting God to respond with, I love you. I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't even expecting a response. And when I got one that I felt did not come from me, but came from God, it was overwhelming. It was powerful and it meant a lot to me. And of course, this is different than our human conversations that take time, you know, to listen and to learn how to develop and, and it takes a learning how to discern God's voice and not just my own thoughts or my own heads. And like anything, we get better the more we practice. Not saying that we'll get it without any problems, but there is a strong humility that grows in our conversation with God, a a dependency. But just like practicing the guitar develops those muscles, practicing listening develops the ability to hear more. And imagine again my conversation with Gil. Hey, Gil, how are you? Uh, Things have been rough lately, but I'll be all right. What is Gil really saying here? Well, depending on my relationship with Gil will depend on how much I'm able to get out of that. If I know him and I, I hear him and I know that, you know, he doesn't ever talk like this, then I might know that something's really up and this is serious. If I didn't know him and I heard him say, well, I'll I'll be all right, I might think, okay, he'll be all right, he'll be fine. But if I really know him, I might be able to see past the words to what is happening in the conversation. Because conversation is more than just the words, right? We, We all know this. 
We all know in our relationships, I know this with my wife. I know my wife can say something and I know she can mean something, right? And we have to learn how to interpret the conversation by knowing the person who's speaking to us. And I think that's how it is, right? Only by being friends with Gil for a while do I get to know and interpret his words. And in the same way, It'll be hard for me to hear God's voice, whether it be in nature, whether it be through songs, whether it be through scripture, until I actually get to know God and am willing to put in the time, the patience and practice necessary for this or or for any relationship to thrive, really. There has to be an investment. And so the challenge comes with, am I investing in this relationship with God? Am I being there? Which is the last type of prayer is being with God. You know, there comes a time when Aunt Teresa is old and she is not able to engage in conversation like she used to. And you might be sitting there by her hospital bed and all you can do is be there with her. And I think some of the most powerful times in my life, have been sitting in loving support with someone, being at my grandfather's bed when he's passing away, holding my cousin's hand as the love of her life has died, being in the living room with my family as my mom is passing away. There aren't words. There's a holy moment that is in that place of just sitting with and being with someone. Before all this pandemic broke out, uh, Karina and I got a great babysitting gig in Hawaii. Um, We were able to go with my son and daughter-in-law and help watch the grandson, which is already this, you know, a reward. But we got to do it in Hawaii. And there was times where we were sitting on the balcony and we could hear and see the ocean and it was beautiful. and, And we just sat there. We didn't need to say anything. Every now and then the silence of our voices or the silence would be broken or the the sound of the crashing of the waves and the wind would be broken with, this is wonderful. But there was nothing more that needed to be said. You know, when I was dating Corrine at the very beginning, I know that silence is just death, right? And uh, if you're going out with someone and you're like, oh man, no one's saying anything. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. And so you're trying to be funny and you're, you know, telling stories and you're putting your best foot forward and you're, you're trying to make a good impression and you try and fill all the moments with something positive because that's what you want, but it's exhausting. It, It takes so much effort to be engaging all the time, to be speaking all the time. And then meeting and knowing her parents, you know, going and sitting with them for dinner. I knew them from church, but still it's awkward. Now you're in their home and you're making sure you're not eating like a pig. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to be proper. You don't want to say something that gets misconstrued and you're, you're very much watching your words, but as time develops and you get comfortable and pretty soon they start talking about, you know, when the kids were little and they bring out the pictures and they show, you know, when Corrine was young and now you're laughing together and things are a lot more at ease and you're feeling welcomed into the family and all of a sudden things begin to change and develop. 
and that change starts to happen. And that's what is taking place, right? We, we desire to have a place where you're comfortable with, where you get to sit and not have to worry about every little thing because you get to just be a part of this. And what I desire, or maybe I should be honest and say what I want to desire is to be with God. To be able to sit with him in a holy moment that is even silent. I don't have to speak. He doesn't have to speak. But to be able to sit there with him and find comfort just in his presence. Right? When I say I want to be with God, that means I don't, doesn't mean I want to die and go to be with heaven kind of a thing. But right here, right now, to be able to sit with the presence of God. How important is that? I mean, yeah, right now. Yeah, at this time. But for all time. You see, this is what I think is necessary. This is what will stand through all the shaking. This is what holds us when everything else starts to fall apart. It's being able to sit in the quiet and the still and know that God is here, even though my job might not be, even though my health might not be, even though these things are changing. There's a place where I can find a foundation that I can live on that I can build on. Psalm 131, it says, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child from its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And, and I was thinking about this picture, right? Quieted my soul like a weaned child. A few years back, Karina and I went to La Paz and Brenda uh, was with her son, and he was still being weaned, and he was just not having it, right? He just wanted mom, and it's like, man, it was like there was no rest for her, and the child was unhappy, and then the last time that we saw him, he was weaned. He was able to be by himself without needing so much, and that idea of a weaned child, one who is okay not having to be latched on and needing their mom. Having that picture, I've calmed and quieted my soul where I don't need to hear from God. I just can be with him. And, and it's a different level of prayer. It's a different type of prayer. I received a prayer request last night about someone wanting peace in their situation with school and with work. And I totally can relate to the, rela- the restlessness. I-, I totally understand the feeling I would get and-, and to pray for them and that things go well with you know their schooling being kind of thrown into a turmoil because of what's happening right now with the virus. And-, and what I pray for them and what I pray for me is that we could, as it says in Psalm 46, be still and know that he is God. That we can sit 
while all hell is breaking loose and be with God. Not in control, not having the answers, not even hearing the answers because sometimes there just aren't answers. But I can still be with God. See, that's what I desire. When Jesus says, what are you seeking? What I'm seeking is your presence. What I'm seeking is to be able to sit and be with you and not need to hear the answers and not need to to give all the, the information, but to be able to sit in this place with you and be content. That's what I desire. That's what I desire for us especially at a time like now. And and that's, I guess, the challenge. So what now? My challenge to myself and my challenge to you is start, take 10 minutes every day and be still. Don't ask anything of God. Your mind is still gonna go places. Your mind is still gonna say, oh, I need to finish this. And oh, I wonder if this is okay, and I I wonder if I should make this call or, uh, oh, I've got to do this. You're still gonna be busy, but don't run with those things. Still your heart. Calm your soul like a weaned child and don't feel the need to pursue all the things that come to you and in your mind. And, And maybe by taking this little bit of time every day, we can improve Pascal Wright, and we can change humanity by sitting quietly in our room alone. And I want to talk more about this because I think this is just the first stepping stone. And I look to develop some time where, you know, we can get together online and have a time of prayer alone and quiet. I know it seems strange, but not really. But my challenge for us as a community is let's pursue, let's desire being with God. Oh yeah, let's talk at God, let's talk with God, let's listen to God, but let's not forget to be with God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that there is a place where your presence is rich and full and we are able to find you. Lord, I pray for all those who are going through various struggles right now in their life, whether it be through work, whether it be at home, going stir crazy, maybe even getting on each other's nerves because they're around each other so much. All the worry, all the frustration that are bubbling to the surface, Lord, I pray that they would take time and that they would quiet their souls and that their desire would move from wanting answers, wanting dialogue, wanting to fix, to wanting to be still and with you. Help us in our times of anxiety, in our times of restlessness, to practice quietness, to practice being still.
to desire being with you. Lord, we do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Randy's going to lead us in another song. Thanks, Randy. Thank you guys for joining us online. Mary, I wasn't picking on Gil. I was just using him as an example. Uh, Guys, may the love of God overflow from your hearts. May your desires be to still yourself. Wean your soul so that you can rest in God's presence. God bless you guys. Have a great week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.